Hello and welcome to the Soul Hubbers podcast. Today, Andrew Curden and myself, Carmen Rendell, are going to reverse the roles and we're actually going to have time with our host, Kerry Davis Munro. So welcome, Kerry, to your own show. <laughs> you always say that. It's your. It's very, very much your show. It's just um, a privilege for me to be able to speak to people and get very, very curious. So yeah, it's a pleasure to be with you both, always. So we, as you will have already seen, we've had episode one and two where Kerry talks to, to the two of us. And I guess it's really important for us to reverse the role um, and actually get to know a little bit about Kerry before she goes on to probably talk to hundreds of people mm. over the next few months and years. Um, so Kerry and I met on a yoga mat, which for me seems quite strange because I don't do as much yoga these days, but the delightful Tim introduced us. In fact, she, he came over to me and said, you have to go meet Kerry. Um, and I think that's probably about, I don't know, five years ago, something ridiculous. Time seems to have been lost, but it's about that, isn't it, Kerry? I'd say it's seven years ago, at okay. least seven years ago. Yeah. Um, and, and I remember I was shouting about giving out leaflets for something I was doing, a cookery cook along or something. And yeah, yeah, you came to see me. Yeah, just check you can hear. Um, and there, I would almost say, I was saying to Andrew, how do I describe Kerry? And, and I was thinking in relation to the book that you have, Eat, Nourish, Flourish, um, that even in our stage of relationship, we've eaten each other. podcast. We've nourished each other very often, and now we're in our flourishing stage, which I think yeah. perfectly describes the stage of the three of us and our relationship. Together. Maybe we give a background to that. So, so Carrie wrote a, an amazing book called "Eat, Nourish, Flourish," and it's also the name was the name of her company. Is that correct, Carrie? Yeah, no, that's right. It is the in, name of my company. In, yeah. Yeah, hence the eat, nourish, flourish. Exactly. We didn't just make it up. But anyway, so we're in this delightful phase of, um, I guess, spending time really deepening our relationship mm. and, and exploring what life is together. And uh, we bring, a, you know, we, I guess, prod each other a lot. <laughs> we Even before this podcast, I think we've sat on the, <laughs> on the Zoom for 45 minutes and it was more of a coaching session from Kerry to us. But, um, you know, we explore life and ask deep questions. Um, and that's uh, the strength of, I guess, our connection. Um, yeah. So we want to explore more about you today, Kerry. Um, and so Andrew's going to kick us off. So I guess, uh, as you know, we always start our podcast with uh, the big question of what makes you feel soulful? So do you have an idea of that, Kerry? Uh, do you know what? That's a, that's a really easy one. Um, you know, as you know, I sort of work predominantly at home. So um, for me, the connections that I have are, you know, gold dust. So being with you two, you know, that is, is a really big connection in my life. You know what you were just talking about, Carmen, I, I value it so, so much. Um, uh, because as I said, I, I, I spend a lot of my time working on my own. And obviously, I have interaction with my clients, but to have interaction, you know, like we have before the podcast, and to be able to really um, get close to people is is really invaluable for me. But I do know, you know, if you were to say the what's the one thing, and I can tell you, I did it yesterday, I used to live much closer to the wonderful Bushy Park. Um, so I used to walk in Bushy Park every single day today, you know, today, where I live, it's a little bit further away to get to Bushy Park so I don't get there as often but when I do um I, it's it's a, the strangest thing I I could feel it now I, I well up I can almost feel a massive release of energy um I I feel quite tearful but quite joyful with it 
and I'm always with my dog I should say that my my dog wherever we are makes me feel soulful but um, in Bushy Park I feel like I'm coming home I feel like that's where I'm meant to be and not to be modern at all but I know that I, that's where I want my ashes scattered it's my it's my home it's me it feels a, a bit of peace and it just feels right to be there I know every time I'm there whew, I've arrived I mean, I think that's just a beautiful way of describing what, what soulfulness is, right? It's like that place you can be yourself as home. It's where your mm. heart sings. Um, mm. That sort of really great sense of relief and, you know, peace. So cool. Yeah. And and you know what? To be honest, I've spent the last 20 years there, you know, right from a point when my, my children were tiny babies and taking them there, you know, to when they were going through that very toddler age and they're walking around by the rivers and the, you know, the, the, the water and the, um, the trees and picnics. So I feel that actually, yeah, I've spent such a huge amount of time there. It definitely is part of me. It's part of my heart. And that's maybe why I, I literally feel myself well up every time I go into Bushy Park. <laughs> and even as you say, it's that time, you know, there, there's a big uh, period of your life, right? And, mm. you know, and so the transitions you've gone through during, it's almost like the park has been a witness to, yes. to you and your life. Right. And without doubt obviously and some different different times in there and within bushy park i should say to people who don't know it there's obviously lots of wild areas which i tend to go to now with um the dog but there's also curated the gardens you know the woodlands woodlands one and woodlands two which is stunning and i can remember that you know we used to picnic there and the children would be shoes off socks off and they'd be in the water before i could think about it um and that sam was always looking for fish and then they're climbing over the walls and then i'm looking for them and it's just yeah so many different rich experiences getting frisbees lost in trees you know <laughs> all all the usual stuff and it ball in a in the water and having to wade in yeah we've done it all there and it just feels like home for sure so in that is there i was trying to think almost when when you ask yourself some of the you know there being big decision points um mm. would you go to the park to to find those answers it's a really difficult one, isn't it? Because I don't think decisions suddenly arrive. You know, it's always a journey to decisions. And certainly when I think about some of my clients at the moment going through really difficult times, you know, one in particular, we we talked a year and a half ago, did some work and she wasn't ready for a big decision in her life. Then she sent me a message and she said, it's time. I'm ready. These things are a journey. And I guess with me, I have made some really big, very scary decisions. That's something I, I embrace in my life. And I've done it a few times. You know, when I left teaching, everybody said, oh my God, you can't leave teaching. That's the safest job. You know, why are you a great pension? Why are you leaving teaching? I said, I have to. It feels right for me. And, and you're right. You know, I, to be very honest, I, you know, I asked my husband to, to leave. And that was one of the biggest um biggest decisions scariest decisions and obviously we question ourselves in those times so yeah I mean without doubt I'll have been in Bushy Park countless times thinking about how I did that and why I did that and even if I did it now I'd do it very differently I would do it very differently you know I have to say what I've learned as a coach and what I've been privileged to learn from my clients has changed my whole being mm. um 
Uh, and, and, you know, we've we've been very open and honest, Cars, and talked about your relationship. Uh, if you had the chance to do it again, you probably wouldn't do it in the same, you know, in the same way. I, I certainly wouldn't do it in the same way. But I was, you know, I was a bit broken. And, um, you know, when I go back now and I look at the emotions that I was going through, I, 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 I had come to a point of complete breaking point, physically, emotionally, everything. And... Uh, yeah, but you don't just arrive at those decisions, do you? They're, they're long, painful journeys, a lot of them, aren't they? Well, I was going to say, one of the things I always reference is, you know, we make decisions based on the information we have at that time. Yes. And the best decision that we can do at that time. It's not always pretty. Um, it's not always, you know, it's very often difficult. But And why hindsight's always wonderful, right? We can look back and think we would do it differently. But at the time, generally, that's all we can do for ourselves yeah absolutely and you know I had three young children very young children who were almost entirely dependent on me for their um you know for their physical stuff certainly 100% for their emotional stuff and I was drained I'd been on and off the operating table a number of times at that point my body was you know broken and I was completely exhausted I didn't have the tools I have right now the wherewithal you know I didn't have a coach I didn't have someone to say to me just stop yeah let's put this all down let's work through it and actually I was at a point where I can't work through it I've just got to change it I can't work through it I can't work through it I've, I've just got to change it you know um and then you know I felt horrible feelings of contempt um, and I didn't I didn't want to feel that I just needed to be on my own and it's a funny thing I, I guess you know, even from a 17, 18 year old, I'd have related, I went through school and I was very much the uncool kid because I did sport. I, you know, I played county sport, five, five different sports to county level. And then I was lucky enough to play netball to international level. I was not the popular kid. I was the one who was receiving awards. In fact, I stopped going to assemblies because. Isn't that how you are a cool kid? You know, when you're the, the, you know, is that not how to be a cool kid? No, not in your school. What would would have made you a cool kid in your school then? Uh, Smoker. (laughs) Uh, Probably doing a bit of truanting. Um, Yeah, and my mum had been a teacher in the school I was at, at junior school. That didn't serve me well at all. Everything I won, everything I did was because my mum was a teacher. And I carried that with me to secondary school. So I had a very uncomfortable secondary school with my PE teacher who wanted me to do all this. But she didn't, you know, she was a grown woman. She was quite unpopular because she all her teams won everything. But I was always the captain and therefore I became unpopular. It was quite a lot to carry. And then I got to my sixth form and it was like, whew, and then suddenly I became popular. Yeah. And then, you know, it became I could have a I could have a boyfriend. I could choose which boyfriend. And then I became a bit I actually then because I'd been so independent and I'd been independent because my mum and dad split when I was seven and quite a acrimonious, awful um, split when I was seven. Um, so I'd always had to learn to sort of look after myself. And I always say I grew up at that point. I was an adult. It was like, well, I'm, that is not happening to me again. I am going to be safe, secure. So I'd get into a relationship, suddenly realize it wasn't right. And then I'd become really, I don't want these people around me suddenly. And then I might move to the next. And then suddenly, oh, actually, I don't want anyone around me again. Um, really strange. And I look at it, I look at it now um, and I've always had this thing and I know what it is I always said to myself and funnily enough we had this question this morning you know if everybody in my life walked away from me because my dad put us out on the lawn at seven with all our stuff you know uh, and said that's it close the door so I always have this thing if somebody did that now 
would I be okay? And I guess it's a question I've asked myself through my life. Yeah, I'd be okay. You know, I'm always going to be okay on my own. Um, and I'm also a carer and a giver. So I know I, you know, I care and give in relationships. And then I think, oh, God, that's enough. Here I go off my own again. <laughs> you know, um, so. Well, I guess so, it's yeah. interesting that you've built, you know, a family and a, a network mm. around you in that respect, right? So you're not on your own. You know. yes yeah yeah obviously now I have um I have three children and I have a lovely partner and um and I think I've completely changed in that but I used to you know I used to become I think you know it's awful to say but I did become bored with people quite quickly and because I am quite a strong person then I would become the center for that person and then suddenly as soon as somebody needed me that much I'd be oh hold on a minute I'm I'm off you know, I, it's great that you need me that much, but whoa, I'm off. Um, and uh, yeah, so uh, so looking back, you know, I, I, I look at the stuff I do now and I look at the person I am now. God, the self-awareness I have that I didn't have back then and the work that I do as a coach. Thank God I do because it's really got me through and everything I do now is very, very, I'm so clear of my values, what's important to me, the person I want to be you know, doing things. Can, can I interrupt? Okay. And, and yeah. so what was, why coaching? What, what was the inspiration to become a coach? Why did you decide to leave teaching and, and what, who inspired you to be a coach? What was it a, a, a coaching session you had? What was the... I guess I realised I'd been doing it informally for years and years and years. Um, in one way or another. And obviously I left teaching and then I went into HR and, and learning and development. Um and uh, and then I ran my own business as a as an HR consultancy, um, and then I had a, a a food business. But I guess I realised that informally I had been a sort of you know, and I say this word carer. I want to I, I want to fix people, and I think that again from a very young age I wanted to make it all right for my mum, all right for my dad, and I couldn't. They were very broken at the time, so I think I, I wanted to be a fixer. Um, and I want people to feel better. I want to be able to move people on. I want to, yeah, to be able to enrich people's lives and, and also to say to people, you know, if, if you're not happy where you are, you can change, you can do this. And I have spent my life doing that, as I said, pretty much informally. So it came to a point where I thought, well, what qualification should I do? Um, and uh, yeah, I went and did it and actually sat listening to a, just an open day, first of all, and then just thought, absolutely this is me and I remember doing you know they gave us a chance to do a coaching session with somebody and people were listening and um and they'd been talking about it for a while in fact I think this was probably quite a way through the course um and a girl I was coaching and a girl was watching and she went you know what that's the first time I've seen throughout this whole thing so I suddenly get what coaching is and I thought because I feel like you know that that felt right for me and uh yeah, so, you know, that, that has been almost a light for me. Lots of the stuff I learned, I, I feel I had been doing. I'd taken what I learned there, and I think that was quite a formulaic, well, it is a very formulaic style. That's not my coaching now at all. Yeah. Um, you developed your own style. Yeah. So you all do, yeah. yeah. Just really check your microphone. I it's think it's a little bit feedy back. Just oh, can you, can you hear it now? Is that better? Yeah. I Something's so. clicking or scratching. Yeah. 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 Is that better? That's better. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> cool. Um, 
so uh where do we go from there so yeah so <laughs> there's so much you said right yeah. and it's kind of like <laughs> i want to almost go back to the um not necessarily the difficult times right but how how you were able in it all because you talked about and i guess we know some of the history but in particular you said like you were in and out of hospitals and you know and you reached that real difficult stage your whole body was collapsing and we yeah. we brush over it lightly right but it was a big um uh, a really difficult and a big time for you around mm. you know your body's kind of giving you all these um signals that it's not okay um and you talked about i guess you know being county coach um county player for five different sports you know mm. would you say i mean you've kind of referenced that it is like burnout um mm. i guess yeah. that's what you'd hit you where you'd hit right in your what mid-20s later well, funnily enough i burnt out at 15 um i i know that i used my my talent my skill at sports to be able to be my control over life so i devoted myself to playing sports before school at this point we had two halves of a lunch hour so the lunch hour must have been an hour um and the p teachers very much in my school competed so i would say well look i want to do one sport and they'd say you need to do both so i remember running from the netball pitch to the hockey pitch so i did something both halves of lunchtime to please both p teachers i'd then have a match or something or a club after school and then i would probably each weekend i'd be on a tr on a bus or you know a coach going off for a county match mm. um so i had glandular fever um, and I had glandular fever. It hit me like a train. Um, you know, when people say you can't move, I was on my hands and knees, uh, 15 years of old, you know, of age coming up to, you know, that big exam period. And I was on my hands and knees and could barely move um, with glandular fever. And I just remember that teacher saying to me, you know, when you're coming back and, and me thinking, oh God, I've got to come back. Uh, you know, our school was getting through to the final rounds. We always got through to the final rounds of nationals or whatever it was. And I think, oh, I've got to come back back and you know and so I felt this pressure to get back I you know went back to school probably far too soon and then I feel that it recurred it recurred it recurred it was in me um and so then you know when I, I went away to university again I played English universities um we went and traveled Australia and when I came when I was doing one of the matches I hurt my knee so my first op was my knee op they screwed it up, I have to say. They gave me the notes of somebody else when I came back. So they told me I could go and train again. My knee was awful. They'd taken out the whole of the cartilage. I was full on training on, you know, I should have had a massive rehab. Anyway, I needed a second knee up. Um, and then sort of by my the end of my 20s, because I hadn't prioritized, you know, we now we now know, don't we, with we look at athletes, they have the whole part, they have the nutrition, they have people there who are looking at their mental well-being. Well, I guess my sport was netball, so we were never going to have that anyway. But I certainly wasn't feeding myself and nourishing myself and taking care of my physical or mental body to be able to push myself to even the amounts of exercise that I was doing. So, yeah, I, I just crashed and that showed up in many ways. My, my gut practically stopped. Yeah. So, and that sounds crazy, but my gut, my gut did practically stop. I couldn't get my gut moving. Um, I had pain in all my joints. Yeah. And this was, you know, this started early twenties, pain in all my joints. I had chronic headaches, cluster headaches. So I'd wake up with a headache. I'd go to bed with a headache. I'd wake up with a headache, go to bed with a headache. Um, and then I had my first ovarian cyst. Um, and that was okay. I operated on and that was all right. 
second ovarian cyst was um was something completely different i went to the doctor and said i'd had pain um and they said oh, i don't think it's anything and i said well i have had a cyst before could you take a look um it took me two weeks to get them to take me seriously and they didn't really my gp i saw three different people eventually i went to somebody privately because i knew something was going on i was in agony i was taking trains holding on thinking god i feel like you know something's terrible and the guy operated on me the next day. He said, I'm going to treat you as if you're my daughter. And he was giving me a chat before I went on the operating table. And I know, looking back, it was a chat that you might not be here anymore. Um, and when I came round, you know, he said, I've never seen anything like it. You had chronic end endometriosis. He said, I thought I'd cut a blood vessel because there was, you know, so much blood inside. Your ovarian cyst, your second ovarian cyst had burst and you were full with blood up to your liver. Wow. So he saved my life. Um, third time round, I had a third ovarian cyst. Um, and your, your body's telling you, you're not, you know, something is not right here if you mm. keep producing cysts. Third time round, um, he had to operate and he said to me, you know, I came round and he said to me, you nearly bled out on the table. We had to take out your ovary to save your life. Um, and so therefore I was thrown into, um, um, you know, a surgical menopause early at that point, which was brutal. Um, but, you know, I guess even before that point, when the body started crashing, I, I luckily enough, I'd played netball with, um, when, I'd, when I'd played um, my university's international netball, I'd played with a girl who went on to train as a nutritionist. And she said, Kerry, you've got to sort yourself out. And she did a hair sample. And, uh, you know, the, the evidence to this is might be mixed, but it's actually completely irrelevant. Without knowing my name, she sent off a hair sample from the back of my head to somewhere called the Smokies in the States. And this report came back and without my name on it, because it was just a client number, it listed all the symptoms that I just said to you, the headaches, the gut, the pain in the joints, the da, 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 da. high levels of metals, it said. And I'm thinking, where am I getting high levels of metals? And then it said somebody with this, um, uh, this, uh, I don't know, this level of metals in their body and the, you know, exhibiting what she's exhibiting would most likely um, uh, go into Alzheimer's at an early age. Biggest wake up call ever. And she did that for me. I think she did that for me late twenties. Um, and I always say, you can say that, that, that the evidence is disputed for me. It will always be right. It was spot on. Um, and that was the point at which I decided that I had to take some control. So I always say from that point, you know, with this nutritionist I was working with, I went on a detox. I cut out alcohol. I cut out red meat. I cut out caffeine. I cut out wheat. I cut out dairy. And really, that was it. I've never put those things back in. Um, and I always say I loved myself back to life, mouthful by mouthful, um, by finding the right exercise for me because it was no longer, I couldn't be on a hard court where my knees and my body was shot to bits, you know, took up yoga, which also saved my life. I do truly believe yoga had, had saved my life. It's funny, when you was going through those really difficult, difficult times, um, you know, splitting up and all of that. It was yoga that saved my life. Um, Why do you think that was, Kerry? Because I, I think that, as I said, I'd almost only believed that I could exercise and that I was doing 
you know, the right sort of exercise. If I pummeled my body, if I came home and I did, because I, you know, I was, I was a young girl when I started playing that, but I've still got scars. I was taken into a women's league. My PE teacher pushed me into a women's league early. Um, and uh, I'd come home with scratches because they hated a girl playing women's league and I was quite good. So I was, you know, I wasn't liked and I'd come home and if I didn't, if I wasn't physically hurt, I'd think, God, I haven't done that hard enough or, and I found yoga and yoga for me was like, oh my goodness, here I am. And it just felt completely different for me. It was a, a slowing down, a new phase of my life. Um, I also went to some lovely classes with lovely instructors that I felt, you know, you go into a class with, you know, you mentioned Tim, you go into a class with Tim and my instructor, Anne Riley and, you know, Gary, where we'd have a laugh. I felt that I was also part of a different kind of tribe. Um, Cause I've done a lot of life just thinking, right, I have to do this on my own. I have to do this on my own. You know, I have to be strong. And, um, and I think that probably has come across. So I haven't made as many connections or I've left connections behind through my life. So now more than ever, we talk about our connection. It, I can't tell you what, how important it is to me and to what lengths I would go to, to make sure that that is nurtured and with a few others, because I think on my life, I've always been, I'm going to do this alone. I'm going to do this alone. I'm, you know, and, uh, and therefore I've, I've left connections behind. I think, you know, yoga is, is gentle, it's kind, you know, it's a compassionate, uh, even though sometimes it doesn't look very compassionate, the kind of positions that we put ourselves in, but there's, it's always done with uh, kindness and gentleness um, and, and never overforcing yourself. And I think if I know, you know, something about you, Carrie, you know, kindness is an incredibly important topic for you. And, you know, and um, yeah, so maybe you were, you were deeply looking for that kindness for yourself and from others and that tri that kind tribe. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I'm, I'm going to still say I'm not very good at being kind to myself, certainly not with exercise. It's still a journey for me. You know, before we've gone on this morning, I've got up and I've uh, I've done a, a set that I'm, I'm trying to do because I have a I have a bad back. So I, I don't I again, I've I do push myself to to, to limits. Um, so I, I have to keep reminding myself about that kindness to myself. Um, mm. You know, and, and funny enough, you know, we were talking about the podcast that I did earlier on this week with Will, Will Merthyr. We were talking about the wisdom of menopause and being in menopause. And and you do actually, it's not about the symptoms, which are awful. Um, you know, some of them are just debilita debilitating. They're like little illnesses in themselves. And we're dealing with six or seven of them. Um, but actually, it's that point in your life where you think, goodness me, I've been looking after everybody all this time. I'm, you know, I always, someone says they're in trouble and I'm like, oh, what can I do for them? Someone said to me once, why do you always think you've got to be the person that puts up your hand and says, I can do that? I said, I don't know. And he said, you need to just, you know, you need to just say stop. Hmm. Um, he was a bit of a wizard, actually. Another another wizard in our <laughs> Well, that kind of comes um, into our next question. Like, who, who, who are the people in your life that are like North Stars for you? Who, who do you, any role models or people that, you know? Yeah, I so role models. 
I mean, lots of coaches. Funnily enough, when I did my course, I did adore it. I just loved it. I, I do love learning. I'm, a, I'm one of life's learners. And I do think that, you know, we get where we are. If my body hadn't broken, if I hadn't made so many mistakes in life, I wouldn't be where I am. So, you know, a client came to me this week and she, she you know, there's one defining moment that she wants to forget that's broken her almost. And I said, what a great learn. We're going to take that learn. And, we, you know, it's amazing that happened. So these things where I felt broken, it's that whole Chinese thing, isn't it? You know, you put the gold in, the cracks, and you, you mend it again. So I certainly, you know, listening and learning through that growth period when I was training as a coach, some wonderful people there um that i'm that i learn from and and continue to learn from um i learn from you guys i learn from the people within soul hub you know I, one thing i am better at is i'm better at going out to people and saying can you help me i'd never have done that when i was younger i'd have thought i've got to do all this on my own you know so i i have my herbs sent from melinda i you know i'm speaking to a nutritionist at the moment who's going to do some cortisol testing for me just to, so we get an idea of where I'm at because my cortisol I think is going crazy again um, and then somebody else in my um, my circle Pieta who I've known for some years now but I've said to her look I'm I'm still exercising and doing all this but my back's still bad so I need your help so I think there's a few people that I draw oh I have to mention you know Robert who's part of Soul Hub Robert has been a figure for me um and i met him through yoga um funny do you know what i've met so many of my <laughs> my current in fact almost exclusively on the yoga mat in fact i'm just realizing that um robert so robert dr robert owen um we met and became you know really close connections we've had one of those things where whoa i mean it was just freaky the, the amount of connections that we realized that we had and people that we realized we knew or which or near misses to each other um and he's been there for me through difficult difficult times and when i wanted to write a book i said look i'm pretty good at getting down to things on my own but i need some accountability so i went to his house once a week every thursday every thursday morning for two hours he wouldn't necessarily input all the time but he'd be there for me so he, he supported me in doing that. Um, so I would say he is an absolute North Star for me. Just very quickly, Carrie, and um, can you just bring your mic a little bit closer? Just yep. the volume. There we go. Yep. Clearer, but it just maybe a bit quiet. Yep. Cool. Great. Um, and I guess just moving on to your current work, you know, what are your ideal clients? Who do you, who do you like to work with and how do you like to work with them? But that's an interesting one, isn't it? Because when you go through this phase of starting a business, people always say to you, what's your ideal client? Um, you know, you've got to really niche down, niche down, niche down. Uh, and I now know that that's just not true. I don't have an ideal client. I work with men. I work with women. I work with young women. I work with women in their 40s, 50s. I've worked with women in their 70s. So I can't say I've got an ideal client. My ideal client is somebody who wants to make some changes, who is realizing that life isn't as fulfilled as it needs to be um, and wants a hand on their shoulder and is prepared to put in a little bit of work and realize, you know, the gold that life has to offer. So um, whether that's, a, you know, at the moment I've got a couple of CEOs, I've definitely got a couple of mums, um, a couple of high-flying female business owners, um, 
you know, and I've got clients in the States. I've got clients here, Canada. I've got a lovely client, um, stay-at-home mums. I don't have an ideal client. I just have people who are ready to make some changes and need that, you know. I always say, so as soon as you start working with me, I've got that flag behind me that says team Sarah, team John, team whatever it is, you know, because it's hard to do things on your own. And I, I know that. Um, so well, if, yeah. so if someone wanted to start working with you, what would be the kind of first steps? Uh, um, you know, what, what do you, how do you bring them in? So first of all, um, you know, get in touch with me. I'm, I'm on Instagram. I, you can find me on Facebook, but I have to say I'm not a fan of Facebook, so I don't use it much. Um, and obviously I have a website, Eat, Nourish, Flourish, um, lots of different ways. I also have a YouTube, but just, just get in, in contact with me on one of those forums or email, you know, carry at eatnourishflourish.com. And then the first thing for us to do is just to have a conversation because not every coach is right for every person. So we have a very deep exploratory conversation where I understand where they are, what their needs are. And for me, the biggest thing and the biggest question is, you know, what would be the, the real outcomes that you want from working with me? If people haven't decided that, they need to go back and have another little think. Um, but we need to know, first of all, and that's whether I'm working with corporates because, you know, I'm talking one-to-ones at the moment. But so if, if at the end of that conversation, people say yes, I know I'm ready to start, then then we do so. Um, and some people will go away and come back a year later. You know, I've had a few do that. You know, I wasn't. I realised I wasn't ready then, but I am now. Um, do you get that, cars where people go away and come back? Yeah, I mean, as you're talking, right, I was thinking um, sometimes, you know, I've had people turn up and say, I'm not even sure why I'm here. You know, either like all my friends are coming, so I think I should come, you know, or just I know something's not quite right. And and yeah. in some way, I quite like that, yeah. you know, um, because part of the discovery is, well, OK, well, what is that phase, right? Helping them to get to a place. And I always a bit like you talking about, you know, being in the team and the relationship of that, that, you know, one to one relation, one to one dynamic. Um, is, you know, we, we might not have the words for it yet. Um, and so there's something at a deeper level that even got you through the door. And then the next phase is to like work through that and uncover that. But, but almost, you know, you know, we often talk about what success looks like and, and it's just so different for different people, right? Some people might need to go backwards, you know, and, and they might leave and you feel like you not much has changed but always there's always change and transition just through the very nature of time anyway um and so therefore i kind of have to get out of my own way and think well who am i to think that this hasn't been uh what they needed because yeah. in the very nature of just you know even if they come and and they hit a sticky point like you said and go away and think about it for a year then that's what they need um you know uh so it's yeah i think it's a um a, a bit like where we spoke about before around just being uh being you and just being you mm. not even in your coaching capacity is enough yeah we were saying weren't we that, that you know i'd listened to something by rongan chatterjee and he was saying that he doesn't talk about what he does anymore because we define ourselves from what we do you know i'm, I'm if he said if i was a dad and i lost my children then you know I'm, who am i if i was i had my i was struck off as a doctor then who am i so i think it's very much yeah who what, what am i being 
what you know as a being what do I give and that's why formulaic coaching you know you've got to have your goal and you've got to have this I definitely want to know some outcomes I want to know what I, I just want to feel you know even if it's well what mood can I take you to yeah so we start to put those in but you know formulaic coaching sessions where we take people through I just don't give I think that gives people what they need and over the last two years with what we've been through that definitely doesn't give people what we need you know some people are just in absolute overwhelm and they do need a session where they've just got a space and if that's to tell you about three things that have happened in you know the last week then that's what they needed from me and hopefully I can pull out something from there that will help them, you know, move through the next week easier. But it's about me, you know, we always say this, but I'm not sure we always do it, but it is absolutely about meeting people where they are. You know, we did this with us today, meeting you where we are. We couldn't get straight into the podcast because there's stuff to deal with, right? And sometimes yeah. we have to do that. We have to move through the stuff that you're dealing with in order to get to a point where, Okay, well now we can we can work through those things as well. Um, and you both know also that I started out predominantly just thinking, right, well, I'm going to coach around food because this is, you know, I've got qualifications in in food and nutrition, and my book is about that. But for me, actually, that's you know, I do I do coach around that, but the physical has to merge into the the um, the mental in terms of we're a whole person so just to coach around that food you know people who come to me and say oh I want to eat better why do you want to eat better what's that going to give you you know who's that going to affect around you and then ah and then we come out with all of the difficult relationships they've had around food and you know it's never about the thing itself it's always about something else that's happened something else that's led to you know led to this and something else that needs to be changed altered in their lives or or healed even Mm -hmm. So I guess, you know, just to wrap us up then around your next phase of life, right? Um, what do you think it feels like for you? Oh, the next phase of life feels for me um, really about developing. I know this, as I said, I, I, I'm, I'm hopefully a bit self-aware in knowing again that I'm the way that I work and most of my days are just me here with my dog and the, the thing is I'm happy with that but I do know that I also need to have more connection during my day so one of the things I did recently is I joined the gym again so I could go back and see people because um, I was doing all my classes online and, and great I, I do it I'm very self-disciplined but that's not you know I need to get out I need to have contact so I need to develop that and I need to nurture relationships and you know again I've picked up a thread with a few people recently and then you know I've been the one again to to push it or to try and then you know then you're waiting for something back and then I think okay I'm gonna leave that and and then move on so I think rich nourishing relationships is really really important for me um definitely empowering um you know my children to to be their own person and to go off that's important for me um help them through they're all in different phases um and yeah to nurture my own you know, relationship. I, I think in the past, I was, well, I know in the past, I was far too quick when, you know, something goes wrong in a relationship to think, oh, this is, you know, I've, I've got to go. There's something not right here. And now I know it's not like that. You know, we have to work th- through things far more. 
Um, and I think, you know, that was a carryover from my childhood, you know, something might not work. Let's go, let's go. Let's not, you know, let's keep protecting yourself. But now, you know, I, so I'm much more self-aware. So more work on myself. I'm starting, as you know, with um, Bill Murtha and Jane Murtha. We're starting Be Well and Thrive, which is a coaching well, I don't know. I don't know about the word academy, but it's a coaching um, entity, um, and we are going to work with teenagers to learn loads of the lessons that they don't learn in school. You know, real life lessons, um, and we're going to work a lot with businesses and business leaders who need some support on really again this becoming self aware. You know, understanding what our identity is, what we stand for, what our values are. You know, everything these days. I ask myself. Is that values led? And, you know, I, that question, kindness, you know, what would what would kindness do here? It really changes everything I do. Mm. It's transformational. Mm. Perfect. Great. So, Kara, I just got one more question. As you're a foodie, uh, just so people can get a taste of you, if you were a dish <laughs> or, a, or a menu, what would the taste, what would, they, what would you taste like? What would the flavours be of, of Kerry Davis Munro? Oh, gosh. There's a curveball for you. Yeah, it would be something that sort of, uh, look, you know me, I'm very, what you see is what you get. Um, as much as I mature and age and I'm much more self-aware, I'm still very much what you see is what you get. I'm a high D on the disc scale. So I'm absolutely, you know, as I said, self-motivated. I can work on my own. So I, I guess I'd be something that really hits you. So in my book, um there's a dish which in actual fact it's my favorite dish in the whole book it's the one where I roast loads of vegetables I do a homemade hummus and then I do a really really tangy hot pepper sauce which punches you in the face it's really like whoa this is amazing this is a wake-up call yeah uh, it's my favorite dish all those flavors together it's got a mix of the smooth and the calm and the you know the sleepy with the lovely roasted vegetables that fall away but then it's got that red hot pepper sauce that just is like wow really hits you so yeah maybe that's me. i think that's i think that's definitely summed you up gary <laughs> tangy punchy smooth and calm very all right well thank you so much for your time today um it's been fascinating to kind of even for us right we've known you mm. a number of years and to go back to uh where it all started and and see a different side of you so which we don't get to see when we're on the on, when you're hosting podcasts so thank you for re revealing yourself and being open and vulnerable with us it's That's much appreciated pleasure. It's my pleasure. We only we only build connection by being vulnerable, don't we? So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I've only learned that in the last ten years. Yeah. <laughs> Good job you like learning, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. Um, so we look forward to hosting more with you over the next uh, few months. And yes. come back and listen to our next episode, which is with uh, Nancy Joyce Hunter. Um, so thank you so much, Kerry, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.